0: Hey there, welcome to Take One, the daily daffyomi podcast from Tablet Magazine. I'm your host, Leah Libowitz. If you have no clue what a Dafiomi is or what it is that we're trying to do here, just go back and listen to our very first episode. Hey there, this is Take One. I'm your host, Leah Libowitz. So, we run the show five days a week, and the Daf Yomi cycle is seven days a week. So, on some days, like today, uh, we'll have the pleasure of actually reading two pages. The two pages we're going to read today, Tractate Brachot, pages six and seven, are supremely interesting. So, on page six, we find this fascinating discussion that begins with Rabbi Helbo quoting Rav Huna about the importance of prayer. One must always be vigilant, it says, with regard to the afternoon prayer, as Eliyahu's prayer was only answered in the afternoon prayer. And then the sages go into this whole long and protracted discussion about why particular attention must be paid to any one particular prayer. The logic here begins off being very sound because, you know, the afternoon prayer Unlike the morning prayer and the evening prayer, it kind of happens in the middle of the day. You know, the morning prayer, you wake up. First thing, you know, you have to put on your tefillin. You have to go right ahead and pray to God. The evening prayer, you understand that, you know, right before you go to bed, you have to give thanks. The afternoon prayer, you know, you just had lunch. There are a million emails to answer. This, you know, the boss is calling you into the, her office. There's just a lot to do. Uh, and so the rabbis understand this logic and they want to reinforce it.
1: Hey, Leal. What's really neat about that, and you just mentioned, you know, you've just eaten lunch, you got a bunch of emails, is that everybody needs a break after lunch. My favorite atheist friend, and this show's producer, Josh Cross. It's sort of reinforcing the notion that I just had lunch, I'm having a little carb coma, before I sit back down at my desk, let me recenter myself, rest my brain, and get ready for the rest of my day.
0: You're saying that the rabbis are basically recommending the afternoon prayer, they're recommending mincha as a type of spiritual siesta, right? They're saying, rather than go take an hour nap, as so many cultures around the world do, go take 10 minutes and reconnect to what really matters. I love that, totally. But then on page 7, things get weirder still. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Yossi, from where it is derived that the Holy One, blessed be he, prays. Does God pray? what does God say when God prays? And so when I thought about addressing this question, there's really only one person I really wanted to hear from. So first of all, Josh, I'm really curious. This is your first encounter with Talmudic text. What does it feel like to you, uh, a non-believing Jew, to read these pages?
1: It kind of feels like back in undergrad, reading the oldest political treaties, arguing over some nonsense that I'm I think I can make sense out of, but I need to read like 12 times first. It feels very foreign. I pro- it's definitely, it definitely feels foreign because I'm trying to keep track of, like in a Gabriel Garcia Marquez book, which dude is which dude and who's talking about who. It's, it's 100 years of juditude or something. <laughs> um, so it's, it, it was interesting when I first opened it up just to say, okay, how am I going to process this? and understand what they're trying to say and what what is the point of looking at this. And so as a committed, serious, uh, intellectually
0: motivated atheist, when you hear a question like, from where is it derived that the Holy One, blessed be he, prays? When you hear a question like, well, does God pray? And if so,
1: what does he pray for? What kind of state of mind does that put you in? Well, I mean, I have to first question what i read when i read something like this about what my conception and interpretation of the word god is because and i'm not dawkins esque or anything i'm not a jerk about it but you know i'm fervently (laughs) safe in my belief but when i read god i think about jews as a people almost i i see us functioning as the community is The God, if you will, and that's how it works for me. So when I say, how, how do we as a group pray versus instead of how does a high, so it still works for me because it's, I think the analogy holds very much as I read anything in, in Jewish writings. Um, to think of God as the people, as an entity, as our community. So when you read something like that's you know, how does God pray, you take it to mean what is the sum total of all the prayers of all the Jews combined? Sort of. It's it, it sort of what is the impact of a group doing a thing? What is, or our group specifically doing a thing?
0: See, but then the Gemara does something really interesting, as the Gemara always does. And I'm going to quote here. The Gemara asks... What does God pray? To whom does God pray? Rabbi Zutra Bartovia said that Rav said, God says, May it be my will that my mercy will overcome my anger towards Israel for their transgressions, and may my mercy prevail over my other attributes through which Israel is punished, and may I conduct myself toward my children Israel with the attribute of mercy, and may I enter before them Beyond the letter of the law. So basically, he's just doing the prayer of being a dad. This is exactly why I wanted to talk to you today. So you are a famous stay-at-home dad activist, uh, the former host of a stay-at-home dad podcast and website and media empire, uh, and and someone who very consciously and mindfully entered into the space of just being a a full-time father to your children, um, of whom you have three Uh, all of whom are lovely, although from your reports, talking to you on a daily basis, sometimes you too lose your temper at these three wonderful children. So when you read Rav Zutra Bartovia saying in Rav's name that God's prayer is, oh, please me, let me be merciful, because my children, the Jews, are really annoying. As a father, how do you connect to that?
1: Well, you have kids too, and I think anybody who has kids can tell you at least... 110 billion times a day, I'm going to say to myself, oh God, let me not do anything <laughs> right. here. It's it's to oneself. It's it's a it's an internalization of asking yourself to not take that 15 year old that just mouthed off and defenestrate him. So rather than throwing him from the window, I'm going to take a deep breath. And interestingly, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I I got it. They say somewhere in there that like how long does is God angry? He's angry for a moment. What's a moment? the The line is something like one fifty eight thousand or so of uh, of an hour. Right. And then they there's a side thing that talks about maybe it's only eight thousand or eighty eight thousand. Very brief. It's super brief. That's what a moment is. And it's like it's 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 saying take a pause and see that you have your anger and go. Okay, I don't want to do that really. And so that that's really the lesson in that is yeah, don't act on that.
0: So, reading this, how do you feel this is going to impact the way you react next time one of your children's like,
1: Dad, she pinched me? I, I think there probably is that like reminder that it is a super duper split second. It's like six one hundredths of a second or something. Um, and to go, it, it's sort of validating and the reminder of the thing that you already know that the anger that you're going to act on now is inordinately less. Less than a second from now and less than a second from that, to take it to take that moment and go, I'm not acting yet, because that rage moment is happening.
0: This is really interesting. So you're saying you you are holding on to this very technical measurement of time and saying to yourself, because this tractate and because the Talmud in general is so mindful of the notion of time, just to stop yourself in almost this godlike capacity and say, I'm stepping out of time and reminding myself that the moment of my anger is going to be very brief and it shall pass and therefore let it be briefer still.
1: Mm -hmm. And also the flip of that, which is not to act until that moment passes because it is so brief. You got to give yourself time to think about what you're going to do anyway. Right.
0: And this uh, has been the main takeaway from a lot of the mystical commentators in this particular page, this reminder that this audacious attempt, right, at understanding what it is that God may or may not say in God's prayer is really a calling to us. It's really an invitation for us to remind ourselves that the more like him we could be, that the more attuned we could be to the attributes of mercy, that the more forgiving we are of ourselves and of others around us, uh, the closer we are to him who forgives us for all our transgressions. I don't know that I've heard a better piece of parenting advice. Josh, thank you so much. Thanks. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday covering the entire weekly section of Reading Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope you've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.